Welcome, fam. This is Courtney Russell Jr., and I'm here with my co-host, Emily Brocker. Welcome to Humanize. We are two Americans with totally different backgrounds and life experiences. We're coming together on this podcast to dive right at the heart of the three things that shut down tough conversations about race, culture, power, and ego. The stories you are about to hear are meant to humanize those deeply involved in social justice. Welcome to the work, y'all. Let's get it. Hey, this is Emily and Courtney, and we're back at this shit. <laughs> Today, denial. Emily, how far has denial got you in your life? Denial has not opened many doors for me, I'm going to tell you. It's more of a, it allows me to kind of, to avoid things that I don't really want to deal with. That's basically what denial's gotten. Yeah. How's denial been for you? I mean, you said a word, avoidance, and... Thinking about my life, when you avoid something that's very important, it shows up in other ways, in other aspects. Keeps um, popping right back keeps up. Keeps popping back up. It always pop up. So yeah. today, what are we going to talk about? We're going to take on looking at the denial of racism. Hmm. And I think that, you know, I want to thank you in advance for sharing your experiences with this. Not an easy topic, but a really important one for us to be looking at. So let me just ask you to start by a little storytelling here. And I'm wondering if you would be willing to tell me a story about the impact it's had on you when someone has said or done something that was maybe called out as, as racist and then they denied being racist or that their statement was racist. The story I have, the person didn't really deny they didn't really care. Is that different? Both have the same impact for me. You know, when I was in when I was in medical school, um, there's a, a disease called sickle cell mm-hmm. that affects mainly uh, people of color. Right. Yeah. And there was another a colleague of mine who was joking about, yeah, if they weren't born the way they were born, that wouldn't be a disease we, they have to worry about. Mm-hmm. And as I sat there, enraged, you know, and and felt mocked mm-hmm. that someone was. Um, Again, making light of an issue that is affecting African-Americans, mm-hmm. you know, and people of African descent, it, it, it kind of start to build this narrative I started to have, like, man, white people just don't give a damn. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they are willing to exploit and make money and profit on people of color. However, when it's everything from comedy, they laugh laugh at our pain, you mm-hmm. know, um, music, get paid from uh, our talents, yeah. you know, and clothing, um, get paid off the culture that we bring, you know. And so mm-hmm. I, I started, I guess that was the beginning of how I view my life's work now. You mm-hmm. know, um, enough is enough from the exploitative culture that we have been under mm-hmm. for a while now, mm-hmm. you know, and so... As I approached my colleague and said, "Hey, that was that that wasn't you did right." Say something. Yeah. Uh huh. I got in trouble, you oh. know, because how it's did that like, play out? Can you tell me more? I was subject to disciplinary action because I stood up for a patient that was dealing with sickle cell because the patient was feeling uneasy, you know, and whether or not the patient heard, I thought the patient heard them making fun of of their ailments, and mm-hmm. so I stepped up. And I was quickly sent to my dean, you know, and 
Do you mind breaking down like exact like what that con- like? The how comments. did you step up and how did that person respond? I was sitting in earshot of the comment that was being made. And as I said there, something was burning inside of me that I had to say something. Mm-hmm. And so I got up and said something. And then it got confrontational with the, my white colleague who was in my face mm-hmm. saying, know your role, know your role. Um, know your role? Know my role. Huh. And I'm thinking like, yo, we were both doctors, man. We yeah. were both in this situation. But he was ahead of me. And I, and I said quickly, the only difference between me and you is you started medical school before I did. So he pulled it like a power. Power trip. He wanted, yeah, yeah. okay. And so I guess I embarrassed him in front of the other doctors around there. And um, my life, it got it got harder for that um, period of time. Um, I got a lot, a lot of the grunt work. I got a lot of the um, the disrespect. I got challenged a lot on uh-huh. diagnosis and things like that, which only made me better. However, I felt good that I did my form of social justice and I didn't even know it in, at that time. I just right. felt wrong that you cannot laugh at someone else's misfortune that they have to live with um, something that can kill. So if you look at like kind of what happened in that situation, this doctor was embarrassed. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's a difficult emotion to hold Mm -hmm. for a second, but then the whole institution and policy came in on the side of let's deny that this is hurting people. When we say this, I just can't imagine how intensely frustrating like that would have been of not being able to like kind of shake them awake, you know? In that position, when you don't have anything else to, I either could go back to poverty or continue in a system that wasn't created for me. And I should know my role. Right. And appreciate the fact that you allow me entrance into this new world. Mm -hmm. When I felt like I worked just as hard or maybe harder to be here than Mm -hmm. you did. Mm -hmm. And so it came with a different type of confidence for me Mm -hmm. that wasn't appreciated in that system. Right. You know, like people have the conception that medicine is about helping others. And it is, you know, I love medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, However, you do. There are certain politics that you have to play especially in the beginning uh-huh. that are not seen by most, yeah. you know? And so I quickly, I started seeing it then. Yeah. I, uh, I just, I'm s- struck by like, like, why are we in a place where it's so hard to be corrected? You know, we, I mean, you power, you know, like what King likes to be subjected to criticism by his subjects. And but like an athlete, needs to be told mm-hmm. when they like a gymnast needs to be told when they're they're not perfectly on point when they're not doing it right and so mm-hmm. we expect feedback from the people around us and yeah. coaches to like get us there a coach has a defined role and the expectation by the players that when you're messing up please correct me because the end game is a mm-hmm. ring people of color live in a system that the only expectation is to appreciate and accept whatever is given to you. So that's a different type of dynamic. So even though a player can hear a coach, people of power do not expect to be corrected by someone who's under them, who have not been like, you should just, it doesn't exist anymore. That was time of the past. Look how far we've come. Just appreciate where you are now. You had a, a black president for two terms like racial injustice doesn't exist white supremacy doesn't exist Mm -hmm. those are situations of denial because why speak on something that could be painful because then you're going to uproot and show the cause of that pain 
And now I'm under scrutiny and I don't like to right. be under scrutiny if right. I have benefited from this white supremacy system. Right. And the ego is just so in structure to like, let me defend this position. Yes. Even, even for people who probably say I'm not racist. I am. There's no way I'm racist. No, you no. know? Yeah. It's, it baffles me that people are, are, are hypocritical in fact and say, I am not racist. Racism doesn't exist. And if you challenge that, they get upset. Oh yeah. Instead of saying, you know what? Let's talk about that. Yeah. Or I will. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for, for helping me grow. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I just, if, if the I'm world a, would be different. If I'm, if I'm not a thief or a wife beater, mm-hmm. and someone accuses me of beating my wife or being a thief, my first response shouldn't be, why the hell would you come to me with this? It should be, what am I doing to make you see me in such a light that right. I wasn't, um, I didn't want to put out there in the world. Right. And so that's what I think it'll be so much simpler and we'll be so much further if we can honestly start to say, hey, I felt as though you were racist and living in a white supremacist system and being and have been conditioned to normalize that. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about that? Right. I think we have been such a, a, a further place in society than to deny that that ever exists or or it exists now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do have a question for you. Um, have you ever had a time when you would have rather live in denial versus confronting racism head on? Uh, yeah, definitely. And I probably in the moment wouldn't have, I wouldn't have defined it that way. And I think it is important to define it that way because like for what, what this brings up for me is silence. There has definitely been times where I have been silenced silent when I've seen something that struck me as racist. And I say struck me as racist because sometimes I struggle jumping in on that. Cause I'm like, I don't want to, this feels offensive to me. I don't know if it's offensive to someone else. I don't want to guess other people's experience, but I have the position here to, to speak up. So, so what's coming to mind is this town hall that I attended a couple months back uh, with the organization that I'm a part of. And it was, after Floyd's murder and I, you know, it was like, what, what happens next? How do we do this? You know, how do we, how do we open the doors and welcome in more people of color into this organization? And, um, it's a paid organization and someone, you know, again, well-intended, well-intended person, <laughs> well-intended person said just as a, you know, kind of an out of context recommendations like why don't we why don't we talk more to the people around us and um you know talk to the people that are are bagging our groceries and and talk about coming into joining this organization or why don't we offer scholarships and i was just so blown away at the assumption that everyone there it was a mix of people who were white and of color that anyone of color in the community would have been first of all financially not able to afford being there and second of all people that were serving us and and i i felt it i felt the like contraction of like oh man and like the look around you know i like look around like is anyone else like hearing this and and i didn't say anything like 
And I struggled for days that I didn't say anything. It's not a person I have a strong relationship with. And I don't see how not saying something is very far from denying how offensive it was. And yet it was so paralyzing to me to think about how would I reach out? How would this person respond? How would the community respond to me reaching out to the person, even if I reached out to them, you know, offline, not in front of anyone else. And so I chose safety. You know, I chose, I chose being safe, um, being comfortable, protecting social capital. That's the first thing that comes to mind. It's still, it's still with me. <laughs> I don't think I navigated that very well. And I think, I think about you in the, this situation that you're talking about in the hospital, we've had way more on the line, way more, and you still spoke up and it just feels like another level of unfairness. You know, that I and people like me that are listening that can resonate with another moment of silence. You have to bear so much more of the dismantling of something that you didn't create. <laughs> people that look like me created. And, and, and that's the importance of what we're trying to do here is for individuals to understand that a system was created that suppresses us. And now we're expected to dismantle said system. Right. And the truth is we shouldn't <clears throat> be expected to, if you say racism doesn't exist or the system is flawed or the system should be changed, it shouldn't be, the burden shouldn't be on us to change a system that we didn't create. Right. And so that's what I hope that we can start down a road of recognizing that system and take actionable steps to change that with what we're doing. How do you, again, personal question, how do you, how do you hold that? How do you hold what we're talking about in that, you know, the denial of racism that we're talking about today is the same denial that was pretty much just fought up hundreds of years ago as a rationale as to why people should be enslaved it looks different today in some ways but it's the same thread like how do you how do you, a day-to-day -day walk around and hold that knowledge see back in the day i don't think it was denial versus um, rationalization like they i'm pretty uh -huh. sure they understood like yo, yeah. we are doing this right because god said this is the best way for us to do it mm -hmm. This is the Christian way to do it. Uh -huh. These people understand that it is their plight in the world to be slaves. And so they made it from the size of our heads to the size of our brains to, mm -hmm. to just the healthcare that we received, education, everything was, this was God's way. Mm -hmm. And who are we to go against God's plan? Mm -hmm. You know, so that was the way. Today is just safer and easier and more comfortable for individuals to actually deny that a, either slavery existed or B, slavery may have existed before, but look how far we've come. So don't worry about that time, mm -hmm. you know? And so how I live with it is like, you know, a passion of mine is to, to eradicate poverty, to raise awareness and to make sure that I, I start to inspire the type of change that can, that can change a system. Mm -hmm or the system of white supremacy, which has subsidiaries. And so as um, 
I feel excited to be pregnant, like we said last time, with a thought that I could be on the helm of changing that. Mm-hmm. So I walk around excited. I walk around on the other end, pained, hurt, sometimes trying to stay focused on the humanity of people. Because even if a person is saying things that they have been conditioned and they feel very wholeheartedly about, <clears throat> they come from a place of fear. Yeah. And I feel as though when you're truly free and you live and you're comfortable in your own skin, I don't have the time to hate you because of your skin. Mm-hmm. It should, it, it, it's, it kind of, it's kind of freeing for me to love someone else, mm-hmm. regardless of how they see me. Yeah. Cause it's what is really amazing. And what you're saying is I realized that like, you know, in the time of um, slavery, it wasn't so much the denial of, of racism. It was, it was the denial of humanity. And that's what's still alive today. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying is I'm countering that by yeah. giving other people, yeah. maintaining other people's yeah. humanity, you yeah. know, like sh- showing that that you're leading, taking the high road. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's very, I'm, I'm, I'm not an idiot. You know, I mean, the walk in this walk that I have, it may end up in my death. Mm-hmm. And once you just like civil rights activists fold, you know, I mean, they were pretty sure they had a feeling like, you know, this could be my, my time could be coming mm-hmm. close, you know, and I, I don't think that's for me. But if it is, I'm willing to to lay down my life for the thing that I believe in, because I feel as though what I represent is bigger than me. Mm-hmm. You mean I should have been dead a long time ago. So if I'm on borrowed time now, why not spend it, my my days, making sure that other individuals see a representation of hope aside from the fear that I sh- someone feels like I should be. Mm-hmm. Like you've asked me before, why am I talking to you? Or, because I care. Or because mm-hmm. you're a human. Because I'm trying to reestablish and, exempl- and lead by example of what it is to humanize and experience and not be victim or be a slave to my emotions of anger because I get angry about the ignorance that I see on television, the, the narratives that are pushed out. However, on the other side of the anger, what am I, what am I going to do now? Sit in the house and just be angry or Mm -hmm. am I going to get angry and then get happy that, okay, now I have to move. And so that brings me joy that I'm able to navigate anger and joy and happiness Mm -hmm. and, and, and make something and create something out of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing. Now, that. Oh, man, I you know how it is. Like we said, let's get to the shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's wh- talk about this. Let's talk about it. Okay. Come on, folks. <laughs> um, what's coming up for you, though? Oh man, Courtney, I process things so much more slowly than you do. <laughs> do like sit with this. I mean, what's coming up for me is I would say my new indicator in talking about racism is uh, wanting to throw up. That's that's what <laughs> that's how I feel yeah. a lot these days. Um, yeah. And I guess there's something to that, you know, like wanting to purge, wanting to mm-hmm. get it all out. There's almost like a just wanting to like rip off yeah. these layers. And I think that that is coming up in response to um you know, and I've heard you say it before, like you're, you're willing to die for this. 
And I have to admit, I don't think I am. And that's, that's a hard thing to, to swallow. And uh, part of that is because of what I've seen what's happening to protesters lately, you know, to see images from Portland and uh, Wisconsin and think about my two little girls at home. And, um, I have these two, I have these two girls at home and I just feel caught in between all these different survivals. You know, it all comes back to this like fear and safety and survival. And like, I feel like every fiber of my being goes into protecting them. And, and then I, I see people at black mothers that I follow on Instagram or I'm in touch with like the absolutely crippling terror that it, it must feel like to have their kids out in this world. And for you as well, I just, you know, the, the, the mother thing I tend to resonate with the, the crazy mama instincts, but um, I'm trying to pull, I'm trying, I'm trying to pull myself through this and figure out how to live with myself and how to live. (laughs) You know, one of my friends said once it's not so much about holding all this, it's making space for it. And so for me to make space for all these different things coming up and to keep moving, to keep moving ahead, to keep trying to do things to disrupt and then feel closer and closer to other people's realities yeah. is what'll keep me moving forward and okay. taking risks yeah. and leaving okay. that comfort that is so instinctual in me. Like stay comfortable, stay silent, keep, get yourself safe, get your family safe, you yeah. know? And um, yeah, this I, I really want to thank you for being willing to share really hard and painful stories so that I can learn from it. I can understand better. I can just empathize. And um, uh, yeah, I just recognize it's a lot more emotional labor for you. So thank you for being willing to do that for, of course. for us and our listeners. As we wrap up, I just, I, I think to deny is to make a situation more unsafe. You know, so you may think that, and not just you, but individuals may think that it's safer to deny or not to recognize the existence of racism. But when you do things like that, you, I think you you create a much more unsafe environment mm-hmm. and instead of approaching things head on uh, and understanding that through the raised awareness of the issues, we can now start to have a collective understanding of what it takes to truly change a system mm-hmm. and abolish the system. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that that's such a key. The denial is a, is a place to intervene, you know, and I think that we just need to know as long as de- the denial is held on to people's intentions don't matter. And, and also the counter being like humanizing, mm-hmm. you know, like how can we humanize and remember that mothers are mothers and fathers are fathers and dreamers are dreamers. And like, you know, the, to move closer instead of move away. Cause the fear makes us want to move away and the humanity makes us move closer. Yes. And that's always going to draw people back in together. And I think that there's parts of me now that is also, it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch the videos of what's getting put out that, you know, 
show me how painful the reality is. And um, I guess we just have to keep watching it, you know, like keep seeing it get closer, get closer. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Humanize. Please remember to like and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Join us on Instagram or Facebook to continue this conversation at The Humanize Podcast. Let us know if you want to learn more about the professional trainings we offer. And of course, tune in next time as we continue the work. Thank you and much love.